What's up? This is the Urban Youth Pastor Podcast. Real talk about gospel ministry among urban slash low income slash minority youth. I'm Vic King. I'm a chaplain at Helping Up Mission, and I know nothing about urban youth ministry. <laughs> but the guys here with me do. I got Joel Brown and Blake Scheidt sitting across from me. Brothers, tell a little about yourselves. Well, I'm Joel, and I'm from Charleston, South Carolina, and uh, I've been doing youth ministry since uh, officially since 2004, but unofficially since 95, working at my grandmother's uh, daycare um, at the age of 15. I'm here in a, I'm a youth pastor in a, a New Song Community Church in Sandtown, Baltimore, and I've been here for about six years, and I love it. And where were you before before New Song? Uh, before New Song, I was living in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and I was a youth pastor there at uh, uh, New City Fellowship. And I also did Young Life there for years. Sweet. And I've been doing that there for about maybe three and a half years. Blake. Yep. Where are you coming from, man? So I'm originally from the county of Baltimore, uh, North Area, or Timonium. Uh, I've been doing urban youth ministry for about eight years. Uh, I started down in Lakeland, Florida. I went to school at Southeastern University, and uh, I got involved in a, an after-school program down there, which was a, a kind of a traditional... Community, Christian community development ministry, and basically what happened was uh, I got down there and got involved, started seeing some of the issues, started learning, and I became an after-school teacher, and I kind of ran it a little bit like a youth group in some ways, lived in the community and did that, and then made my way back up to Baltimore, uh, been here for six years doing youth ministry in the Northeast area in what's called Penn Lucy, or as a neighbor calls it, Old York and Cater area off Greenmount. So me and my wife live here with our son Aiden and our dog Knox, who you might hear in the background. And uh, where are you going? So we're currently going to be moving to uh, back to Lakeland for a little bit to do uh, urban youth ministry down there for a little bit while I'm also going to RTS Orlando. So while I'm doing that, I'll, I'll also be staying in kind of a cool t- context, which down in Florida you have more of a uh, a poor Hispanic and African American kind of connect down there. Uh, rather in Baltimore and our neighborhood, it's about ninety nine, ninety eight percent African American. So it's a little different context. I need to brush up on my Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so Joe, you want to tell the story about what, how we're sitting here and what our what our goal is, kind of big picture. Well, uh, I think there's a lot of books out there that talk about just regular ministry. You know, with pastors with uh, helping the poor, lots of books. Other than, but, but, by, by regular ministry, let's be clear, you, yeah. mean, you mean, you know, middle-class slash white ministry. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I do. Yeah. That's exactly what I mean. But there's nothing, not that I know. I mean, if there's something out there, please let me know. But there's really nothing out there dealing with the youth pastor or the youth guy or woman in the context of being in an urban area. I don't know if there's anything out there that says, hey, this is how you can do it. This is how it should be done or don't do this. This is stupid. Or not only that, just sharing how the gospel can actually impact an urban community when a lot of people believe that living an American dream is living in a nice neighborhood, nice house. And that's the only way God can live and move. That's wrong because God can move in the most grimiest, destructive place in the world and still save, bring salvation and grace. And people need to know that, especially when it comes to our young people. People need to know that. And and I also want to say, like, we're not trying to say that this is 
a harder ministry by any by any means. It's a different kind of ministry that right. doesn't have as many resources that we know of. And so instead of writing a book, which would take Joel and I, maybe not Vic so much, but Joel and I, a long time to write. 30 thought, years, maybe yeah. 40 years. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be a great exodus, you know, just... We'd be gone for a while, yeah. uh, but you know, we we decided that we would just do a podcast and and share some of the wealth and knowledge of our mistakes and victories oh, in yeah. doing this, and hope and hopefully encouraging people doing this around the country. Um, yes. So yeah, so we have picked as our first topic violence. It's a timely topic, right? With the uh, Orlando shootings, less than a week old mm-hmm. still. But also on a very local level, there's the trials of the officers involved with Freddie Gray's death going on as we speak. And on an even more local level, Joe, you want to just start with just telling the story of the shooting at, at y'all's church last week? Well, you know, where, where the building is, in, it's called the Worship and Arts Center. So a lot of people call it the church. And, you know, we do a lot of our activities there, Bible studies, uh, youth groups, many things. And then we also for the community have... Uh, repasses, wedding anniversaries, uh, baby showers, or just, you know, a, a dinner party, just many things. And the community has took complete full advantage of it, and it really has blessed them. And so it was, and, and we've had many repasses, many repasses. And so what happens is... Hey, what what's a repass? Oh, well, repass, for those who don't know, um, is after the, after the uh, wake or after a funeral... The, the family gets together in one location and sort of just sits down. There's food, there's fellowship, you know, maybe there's reminiscing. The departed was apparently shot. And the father of the son was the one who was shot. But l- let me kind of give you the snare of what happened that day from, you know, from my perspective. I was uh, upstairs with our pastor and uh, we were just having a normal meeting and we heard a lot of rumbling downstairs. And I'm thinking, okay, a fight broke out. Let's go see what it is. But we didn't know how serious it was as we were running to go downstairs to the hall, which the officers were upstairs. The hall is downstairs. So we're running, ran downstairs. And one of the our uh, residents who helps do repasses, she closes the door and locks it. And she tells us the person who's coming into the into the building has a gun. And uh, we all have to run back upstairs. We hear gunshots. And, you know, we first thing we do, we call the police. We get there. And we come back down. And we, we, we you know, the cops have gotten there within maybe 30 seconds. And the guy has got off around. He shot the father. Uh, actually, it was a son and a father. The son shot his father after his father had buried already his son, another son. And it was real sad. The father didn't die, but luckily um, it was a shot just in the shoulder. And it, it was a, it was a pretty rough time. Uh, it was all over the it was all over the news, and you know, and yeah, the, the news said yeah. they had just had some disagreement over. Something it was, it was, was a disagreement in the obituary or left out of the obituary, right? And there was a disagreement. You know, it it, it grew into something that was violent, right? Um, so so let's yeah. I, for for this podcast purposes, I, I'm most interested in. How did you shepherd your youth group through that? Well, the first thing we did was uh, I our group on Wednesdays. We call it Young Community Leaders, and, and the it's just young men, and they they named it that. But the first thing we did was we spoke about that because we have topics and things that we spoke about. And even the day of the shooting, they they came to me and see if I was okay. 
But we spoke about it that day at the uh, Young Community Leaders, and we were speaking about how we should deal with conflict. How do you want people to view you when it comes to conflict? Do you have to take it to a place to where you are at a place where you're going to actually shoot somebody? Or is there ever room to actually walk away, which isn't, which isn't popular, to literally walk away from a scenario that can actually save your life? Because... And, and that's that's a key thing you just said there, Joel. Yeah. Like the question a lot of our listeners I think will have is why is that not popular? So like growing up in a white context, mm-hmm. like right, you got you got kind of applauded if you were man enough to walk away, right? Because it's just said I'm not gonna sweat. You know, it, it was looked bad on you if you you know fought because it showed a lack of self control. And 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 what I've learned as an outsider, as, as a white guy, I grew up in the suburbs and then coming into an urban context is there's like different honor systems, Mm -hmm. right? There's different, there's different idols Mm -hmm. of what, what attacks people's kind of hearts and what triggers them. And and that's why I use the word different. I think a lot of times for our white brothers and sisters, we tend to think the inner city's worse. Well, it's worse in some ways in regards towards violence and these other things, but why? And there's things in the suburbs that I found that are actually worse than the inner city. Mm So what I've learned is that it's really an honor code. Um, like you're doing, you're doing a survival thing. What I've learned, and maybe you can put more, uh, more words to what I'm trying to say here. What I've experienced is it's, it's an it's an honor thing that really tries to get kids and young people, and even sometimes older people, that like if I don't do this, I'm lower on the totem pole. Right. I'm less than. Right. If I don't stand up for myself right now in this way, I'm going to continue to get punked. I'm going to continue to get uh, taken advantage of. And so I have to use physical force in order to show mm-hmm. that I am not this. I am not that, whatever right. those words might be. So, so if I could interject here, a, a phrase that I've heard in the kind of academic discourse about this is code of the street. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. There's there's mm-hmm. a famous book of that title. How would you describe like the code of the street when it comes to violence? Well, I grew up, you know, African American in a in a white neighborhood. There was nothing like that. I didn't have to know that I walk out my street. I had to survive. But when I went to my middle school, there was a sort of code to where uh, we have to be better, we have to be stronger, and um, it was like yeah, like like if you're lower on a totem pole. But it's an idea of Who's the strongest? It's like you have to survive to do this. And and, and I didn't grow up in that. But it's almost like if you want to have an identity, if if you don't want a broken identity, the way you would find it is you showed how powerful you were, how strong you were, and that I can survive and this is who I am. And everybody knows me for this because I don't have anything else to look forward to. I don't have anything else there. Yeah. And a lot of times our honor codes are, are rooted in our deep insecurities, right? Yes. So like wherever you go in the world, wherever you find that culture's deep insecurities, they tend to react in these ways of what they say the honor is to mm-hmm. avoid those insecurities. And and one of them is that, you know, you're a person who's weak, you're a person who's a punk. And you can even right. see it like in teachers, like in our local neighborhood schools here where I go up and, and help out, like if you're not a teacher who screams and yells at kids a lot of times, then you're a bad, weak teacher because then you don't know how to put them in their place. Right. Um, so there's this kind of almost like verbal violence that like dominates. Right. And it, but it shows strength. It shows kind of like 
cultural uh the totem pole of like who's where power dynamic yeah 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 i could see it also being you feel like it's a response in some ways to to a feeling of powerlessness yeah i think that's true what do you think joel i mean well it depends on where you think you get power from Mm -hmm. if i grew up and i have no identity i have nothing i have to find something that i feel can give me power or sustain me Mm. so I have to be like this person or be like that person. Mm-hmm. And sometimes if it's, if your identity is not in Christ, the way that you find it is definitely going to be a sinful way or a destructive way of finding it. Mm-hmm. For sure. And, and, and it doesn't end, you know, just in the streets. You can find that in any corporate America, you know, stepping on the next person to get, get up top. It, it, it's nothing new. I think when we look at our urban context, we it seems more primitive, but it's not. It's just as primitive if somebody does it on a corporate level. Right. It's just it's done with words, it's done with money. Yeah. It's done different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Well so it's funny, Joel, when you when you're telling, you know, this your experience of the shooting that happened at your church, mm-hmm. you said you heard a rumble downstairs and you thought it was just a fight. Just a fight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Like fights breaking out. Or like it's not a, good, it's a better thing. thing. Yeah, it's a yes. better, yeah. like it's pretty rare. I think it's probably safe to say that a fist fight breaks out at a suburban megachurch. You wouldn't see that. No, it's very rare. It'll so, be very rare. But so, I'm, yeah. so, so let's talk, let's talk about violence violence in you in the youth group. Okay. Okay. So I, I know you guys have both had mm-hmm. you know fights of various kinds break out amongst your kids. Mm-hmm. How, oh, yeah. how have you dealt with that? And what maybe what mistakes have you made <laughs> dealing with it in the past? Um, so there's the, there's the practical and then there's like the learning from how to avoid those things. Like what's the root cause of those things? So, so the practical quickly would be, uh, one thing I found as an outside white guy coming in is it can be uncomfortable, uh, sometimes for, um, my culture and, and our, you know, my, my people to basically, uh, see people playing around violently but it's more in a playful way. And so sometimes, you know, you're you're coming in with this idea that black people are more violent. Uh, that's not true, actually, at all. Uh, what is true is that kids in the inner city, regardless of they're black or white or Hispanic, tend to have, particularly boys, um, more of a, a physical play. Um, and so what I've learned is, like, sometimes those physical plays in immature settings can get taken personal. Like it can get, it can go from showing off how quick and fast you can duck and dodge and, and kind of box or, or just going to the body, right? That's one game that our kids will play or you kind of, it's like bloody knuckles, what we used to play as kids, but more on the body. And we can talk about if that's okay or not in a minute, but uh, it, it's something that is culturally acceptable with a lot of our kids and they enjoy it. But sometimes I've learned that like if I'm not watching it or if I'm letting it go on too long or if it's in a wrong setting, it can easily escalate to something that becomes real um, because tempers flare or because um, someone then uh, took a little too far and then the next person takes a little further. And before you know it, it's it's a full on real fight. So, um, so how have you guys dealt with that when it has escalated? So in a practical way at youth group. We'll hold a we hold a firm like if you get in any kind of physical altercation you're suspended and you can't come back until we have a sit down talk with either whoever your guardian is, right. um, and what that does is it shows me buy in that like if you really want to come to youth group like you're going to have to go tell this to your 
guardian, which a lot of kids don't do, you're going to have to come and basically have a real conversation on what does it look like to work with the parent in all this. And that's what you want to do as youth pastors, right? You want to you want to work with parents to help. That's one practical way I've dealt with it. Uh, another is just I always find things that um, so as you're reaching kids who don't typically always know how to act in a mature setting this way. Um, one of the key things I do is I always have something that that uh, is enjoyable for everyone that can be taken away. Um, and what that does is, you know, you say, okay, that's teaching morals and laws. Actually, it's not. What it is teaching is that sin has consequences. And so when when kids, when kids, it's, it's a great opportunity to actually lead into the gospel. And there's been many times where I've actually showed them and I've, I've illustrated the consequences so many times that I've been able to show grace in those situations and give a good gospel presentation on like, hey, this is what you deserve. And they'll know because I've been firm in those things that I'm typically going to do that. And when I've taken it away and said, but I'm going to let you go on this because this is what Jesus did in a lot of ways for you, it's a great opportunity for them to see it, um, what grace looks like in that, in that situation. But if you're not firm on things, like if you're only ever just giving kids second and third and fourth chances and you're never ever showing consequences for sin, you're really uh, doing a detriment to the greatest first half of the gospel, which is understanding the the bad situation we're all in, right? If you don't understand that, mm-hmm. and you don't understand like, man, this is what I deserve. Um, you'll never appreciate or or love um, kind of the the fun stuff that you do at youth group, or in in the spiritual sense, the prize of having God in your life, right? Um, and having a restored relationship with Him. Yeah, Joe. Well, anything you well, add to I, that, bro? I, I think well, part of it is. It's a very unorthodox way I did it. When I was in Tennessee doing Young Life, I find what I call a, a, a pivotal pivot person. That person who really, it's going to sound funny, but it, it works. It's unorthodox, but it works. You find a person who is good at gossip. Somebody who wants to grow in Christ and wants to see youth do better. It's hard and far between, but you find one person who is like that, but they also say, hey, man, this is what's going on. You need to watch out for this, this, and that. And so you will go up to that person and say, hey, man, I need to know what's going on in the street. In terms of, you're saying in terms of conflict. In terms of conflict so that we can... So do you know what kids are bringing in with them? Yeah. Yes, because we knew that when I was in their life, well, one thing about youth ministry, you have to be able to welcome people's baggage. Yep. Yeah. They're going to come in with people who might have weed on them, who, you know, there's people who are part of gangs. You have to be able to accept that and trust that the Holy Spirit would do the rest. But yeah. in the meantime, you have to still set up parameters because sin has consequences. Yep, yep. And if you're going to live in this world, there are going to be consequences. So what, we, so what I try to do is I find that person, okay, this is getting crazy. There are gang fights in the news, and I know that some of my some of my guys are in gangs. Yeah, and I don't know how far in between they're connected, but there's somebody else there who wants to come to Young Life and grow in Christ, and I want them to have a place of refuge. Yeah, so that they can say, "Hey, this is a safe place." Mm-hmm. And so that person will say, "Well, this is what's going on." Yeah, and so what we do is we know, we, like like there was one time at my uh, Young Life club, I gave an announcement. I said, "Hey, guys." We know that some of you are in gangs. We're not going to say names. We're not going to say anything. You know who you are. This is what will happen. Excuse me. If your gang is shows up on the news, we will personally come to you individually and tell you 
to not come back to club until uh, the situation has de-escalated with gang violence. We, we, right. we will do that. Um, that's one way that we did it. Another way we did it is that we went to a Young Life cluster meeting in which they, they, they had different classes. And one of them was dealing with self-defense and how to deal with youth who get into fights. How do you break them up? What do you do? You right. Know? Right. Um, and that and helps a lot. That's a, that's a very particular kind of practical set of skills, right? Mm-hmm. It's the physical de-escalation thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think you said something really, really uh, good earlier, which is if you're not getting to know your kids, like, and you don't yeah, know what's going on. Know them. If you don't know what's going on in their lives, you can't really prevent. You're going to be surprised when these things happen. Yes. But if you know blah, blah, blah just broke up with blah, blah, blah because blah, yes. blah, blah is now dating this person and they're all at Bible study, something could possibly happen. Yes, you know, uh, and it has. Yes, yeah, and that, and that's that's a classic right there. Like that's relationships stuff and pain, but underneath all the violence or shootings, whatever, are always deeper anger issues. They're deeper brokenness mm-hmm. issues. Mm-hmm. And if you take the time to get trust with kids or even their parents or other adults in the community, what what you'll learn is people are more willing to open up. Yes. Um, and you can avoid a lot of these. I think that's the greatest avoidance is really just having good, meaningful relationships, um, not being surprised by violence. I mm-hmm. mean, a- as, as reform folk, uh, we really shouldn't be surprised how <laughs> sinful and ugly and angry people can get, right? So, so that's, that, that's one thing. I will give a, a quick story. So we had mm-hmm. a girl um, two years ago who loved coming to youth group. I, I left my leaders in charge. I went away on vacation one week. Um, she got in a fight with another girl who's one of our, like, just stud girls. She, she came to our youth group three years ago. She moved in the community because she had to come move with her dad and um, and her stepmom. Her mother was murdered, and um, so she came very broken. This girl, like, was really taken off with Jesus but was getting bullied by this other girl. And and there, there was a fight while I was gone at the youth group. And so the rule's the rule, right? You have to We have to have a sit-down meeting with one of your guardians and talk about what happened, how this is not going to happen again. And 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 shows that the parents of some sort are helping and getting our back at youth group. So the one girl who was, you know, her stepmom and and dad came, the one that was doing really well, and she came right back the next week, explained that she shouldn't have done that, she'd handle it in different mm-hmm. ways. We mm-hmm. talked through all that. The other girl loved youth group, but but knew that her parent would never come to that meeting because just. Uh, just old school. Don't have the time. If you want to act like that, I'm not. Why should I go out of my way to go help you out? You know, kind of, kind of philosophy and feel. So this girl, everything's forgiven over summer. You can come come back the next year. So she missed the last three months of youth group. She loved youth group so much. Like after that, anytime I said stuff or asked for stuff, I mean, it was just like she she knew that she the way she would normally behave at home or in the street, she didn't do at youth group. Which was great because then she got to learn things about the scripture. We could stay focused on things. Um, you know, I, I can't. We can't make as youth pastors the mm-hmm. heart change, but we right. can create an environment where it says we're not going to put up with yes. this here because as much as we love you, this is a place where we're trying to let people grow as disciples and following Jesus. And if uh, if we don't create that atmosphere. And that's a healthy balance. Like, how do you, how do we keep kids coming that bring their baggage, meet them where they're at, right? But at the same time, hold them to standards that 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 actually create the image bearer that God made them to be, right? The value of who they are. And I think a lot of times, and this is my last comment, mm-hmm. as a white person, we tend to demean and look down on black people, whether we realize it or not. 
and we hold them to a lesser standard. And that's actually something we need to repent and think of because um, when we do that and we hold uh, our white kids to a higher standard and expect more from them, we're actually demeaning the image of God mm-hmm. in our, our black um, uh, children that we're working with. Um, so we, we need to really be careful of that in our hearts. I just want to say that quickly. No, I, I, something you said that's profound is relationships. You have to be willing to get dirty. Yeah. You uh-huh. have to be willing to hear all the mess, all the crap. And some of the stuff you're going to hear, you you might have to take your time because some of it might be illegal. Mm-hmm. It, but you have to be willing to continue to build relationships it, because one day that person or person is going to come to you and say, hey, look, this is what I'm dealing with. I need help and I trust you. That might take years. If you're looking for some results of um, of just one day or two days, you're not going to get it. You have to be able to be able to build relationships and sometimes be quiet as the adult. Be quiet and just look and listen. And there'll be some things you don't know, you don't see. Uh, I even made it part of my philosophy of ministry to meet every parent I could. And we and when I was in Tennessee, we met maybe over sixty kids, and I've met almost every parent except for like two. And you have to be able to sit in their environment and listen, observe, and love, and build relationships. You, there are some. I mean, I've been in places where where people would come in and boldly say, "Hey, you got some weed? I need some." Or a place where there are a bunch of boys and there's one room with one girl, and you have to be able to sit there and still love them through that and still say, "You know what? You're still worth it. You're still worth the chase. You're still worth." The gospel, yeah. because if that's the case, then Christ would never come in our houses. Yeah. I don't care how nice we are. I don't care if you have marble floors or or this, or I don't care how many nice cars you got, shoes. Christ will find the dirt in the middle of everything. And it doesn't matter mm-hmm. where you are. If we share some of the things in our lives, we would. it would be amazing to some people. Mm-hmm. But we have to be like Christ in that, go into people's life and say, yeah. Our life, your life is in shambles and it's crazy in here. But mm-hmm. guess what? You're still worth the gospel. Yeah. You're still worth it. And in that, we can know how to deal with uh, situations like fights and violence. and yeah. Because we are so entrenched in their lives and we're so dirty with them that they're willing to literally say, I have somebody who can vouch for me and who does love, love me and care. Yeah. And, and, and I do want to share one story. I'll never forget that. Me and my wife loved to go to CC's Pizza. Man, that was a spot in Tennessee. We, <laughs> we would take our young life kids there, you know, maybe maybe once every quarter or so. And there was a fight in the middle of the restaurant. There were girls who were plotting to come into the restaurant and fight a young lady who who was the sweetest girl you would know. She doesn't mess with anybody. And there was a fight in the middle of the restaurant. It was so embarrassing yeah. that we had to break up this fight with these girls. And girl fights are just... You know, they're harder to break up sure. for many reasons. But when we came back to the club the next day, I mean, next day, but the next time we met. Young Life every, Club. Young Life is. Club. Everybody was, <laughs> yeah. But we're, we're sorry. Mm. We didn't mean for this to happen. It, but they, the ones who were saying they were sorry were not the ones who started it. The relationship that we had, they were like, hey, we're sorry. We, we did not want this to happen. They came for us. We wanted to walk away. Right. We're, and I told him, hey, guys, I love y'all. 
And I told him this corporately. I love y'all. Y'all are great. I don't blame any of you. And we're going to keep on going. And mm-hmm. you're still worth the God. We're still worth the chase. I don't care if it's a thousand fights. Right. Or a thousand things. We're going to keep on going. And relationship, like you said, Blake, is extremely important. It is. And it takes hard work. It takes time. But if you don't have that, I mean, you're going to be, you're going to have more fights than not. Yes. And uh, because so many have been stopped by, by sheer just knowing what's going on through relationships. Right. And, you, and you'll be yes. surprised how much kids yes. w- want to tell you. <laughs> how much, uh. How much you can learn, intel you can get uh, from from just being in relationships and here and just keeping keeping your eyes up. Um, I, I do want to I do want to kind of get towards what what sounds like the root of a lot of what we're trying to say is in every culture you'll go to, there are identity issues and they're just yes. different in each one. And there is a reality while we deal with a ton of personal sin, we want to hold a biblical narrative that we believe there's also systemic sin yes. uh, and, and, and a history in our country that really does plague I, the identity of our young black people and, and all black people in a lot of ways. Um, and if that's not taken into like consideration, like you're going to be very confused yes. on, on why people act certain ways yes. and see themselves in certain ways and do certain things. Um, and if you can be more understanding in that, particularly a, a, if you're a white person going into this setting uh, and listening more, like you'll earn more relational credibility mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where people will be able to open up and share those things because it won't feel as vulnerable. Uh, if if you're coming across uh, like you understand everything and you you mm-hmm. you got it all and you're here to fix it and you're the great white savior, that that stuff right there will really. Um, plague your ministry um but just be you i mean i'm not i'm not very cool uh, yeah. you can look at my twitter i'm like kind of a wannabe country suburban yet slash live in the urban i just i'm all kinds of messed up vic uh, <laughs> and, and maybe i have an identity problem huh? uh, and, and, and just because just you're be black you. like yeah. don't think because hey i'm black I can get more pull because I'm black. I think a lot of people feel that. Yeah, it's not but, true. <laughs> but but black people tell black people, you know, if I can do it, why can't you do it? Yeah, yeah. You know, you're making excuses for yourself. Yeah. You know, and I've heard that many times. Well, they can come up. I came up. Well, they can do it. That and and it's still sin. Yeah. Basically saying you got to get yours. I get mine. Right. That that's there's nothing holy and great about that either. No. Well, they well they're just making excuses. Well, what was your excuse? And a lot of us don't realize that we're no better than anybody else. So yeah. don't think because yeah. well, I'm black, I'm different working in the urban. I'm and they, th- that has nothing to do with it. Sure, because sin starts to rear its evil head when you deal with other people who are not like you, black or not. That's right. Um, so yeah, just like Blake said, and just because you think, well, you know, Blake's white, I'm black, I'm different. Nope, you're not different. You're just as sinful. You're just as broken, and yeah. you still have a mentality of. Because I, like I said, I grew up in a suburban neighborhood, and I, I've, I've, I haven't seen drug selling, nothing like that, nothing. I've never lived in the city my entire. This is the, I've been in the city for six years. It's my first time ever, and you, you come in there with an attitude of, well, well, I, I, I kind of already know, or yeah. I know what to say, or Oof. like other black people, you know, as a black man, you know, they should know what to do. This just isn't no. It's completely different. Don't feel yeah. like your color or ethnicity makes you on their level or on other people's level. That doesn't mean a thing. Yeah. 
It I, does. Yeah. I, I think of the verse um, in First John, you know, perfect love casts out all fear. Yes. There's a ton of fear yes. between um, people in general. There's a lot of fear in the context of Baltimore City and other urban areas because of the environment of violence, because mm-hmm. people – I mean, if I ask my youth group kids, which we have about 50 kids between middle and high school – if I ask them to raise their hand, how many people know someone who's been killed that's a family member or right. friend? Everybody raises their hand. If I ask them, you know, how many of you have a family member who's in jail? Uh, everyone raises their hand, right? So everyone's experienced some sort of 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 fear of these things. I mean, I picked up a kid mm, before mm, Bible mm. study in the morning before school, and his dad got picked up for attempted murder, like right before I picked uh, came, you know, and there was mm. like five cop cars mm-hmm, out front. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you're, you're looking at people who live in a lot of fear. And when you live in a lot of fear, what happens is the, the two great commandments start to get violated, right? We weren't, yes. we were not meant to live in fear. The right. inner city is a very scary, fearful place. And what happens is it becomes a very loveless and lawless place because people go into survival mode and become self-focused. Yes. Um, out of, out of fear, of being taken advantage of, being hurt, yes, um, you know, and, and whatever else, you know, being abused, all of those things, and so having meaningful relationships, whether it be friendships mm-hmm. or other things, I, I've seen some of the most bizarre friendships where you think kids are really close, and they yes. just say, "Oh no, that's just an associate." Well, you yes. hang out with them all the time, yes, but it, it just shows the heart condition. That everyone's on guard. Everyone's mm-hmm. scared. Everyone's fearful, and and that right there. When you're on that edginess all the time, that right there will lead to violence, it, right? Because you're you're always on guard. You're, mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead, Joel. I mean, no, no, no. There's something that you said, Blake, that violence starts from something that comes from within. It does. I transition very easily and quickly, but I've been there for six years, and this my sixth year between the the riots that happened back in April last year between the church shooting, between what's going on. I mean, for me going from my house every night, hearing ambulances, fire trucks, yeah. when you go outside, you hear yeah. helicopters, you see unemployment, you, you see all these things. You see people on the corner, you see drug users, uh, you know, they're, 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 they're coming down from a high. You, yeah. you see all these things. You and, hear and gunshots. You hear gunshots, yeah. and, and it doesn't stop. It's an uh, it, you don't get a a, a break. It, it becomes in normal. The city. It, yeah. it becomes so normal, and what it does is that you don't think that your mind is being affected by it, but eventually it starts to build up. So in me, it started to build up, and yeah. I'm getting very angry. I'm getting very frustrated. Yeah, I'm I, I'm becoming very angry. Yeah, and so the only thing that that keeps my anger from going down is because I know who Jesus is. Yeah. But imagine a family who constantly sees the same thing I see. Yeah. But but it's also happening in their house. It, it's it, and it's not like it, it, it's it's stuff that happens in the city on top of normal family problems. Absolutely. And so it's like it's building up, and what that does. Is you explode, yeah, and anger and yeah. violence. And if somebody says to me, "You're gonna punch, you're gonna fight," you, but if there's nothing that can take that blow, if there's no buffer, if there's no gospel, if there's no Jesus, especially for our young kids, they are going to explode because them being young and mm-hmm. their young minds. I mean, I'm 35, 
and I feel like I'm going to explode. Imagine a 13-year-old girl, mm-hmm. a 13-year-old boy about to explode. They are not mature enough to know how to buffer that anger. Yeah. So as youth as youth pastors, we got to somehow take some of the some of the hit. Not only that, we have to continue to preach the gospel yeah. because it's the only thing that can take the hit that that will stop them from going to fight somebody, to hurt somebody. It has to be the gospel as we teach it. We, we go, we'll do many things. Let's, let's take them to counseling. Let's do this. Let's get them a job. Let's do all that. Let's do. And those things, I'm not saying those things are bad, but if it just, if it just stops there, it, it, it will not work. But like I said, I'm angry. I'm frustrated because of the constant d- depression and the constant negativity and the constant sin that happens around you. And it's like a spinning wheel over and over and over. But a 13-year-old kid who just wants to go get a bag of chips has to hear this. Yeah. Goes back home and hears fighting. He he and I, and I don't mean to be crass, but he hears, you know, his his or her single mother with another guy in another room having sex and, yep. and he doesn't like it or she doesn't like it and she's being touched and, and there's rapes and, and, and they have to deal with this and there's nobody saying and, and a lot of times this is what you will hear and a lot of African American communities, even my family. You you just you don't tell anybody. You don't say nothing to anybody. You you keep it within. You you don't sh- you don't show anybody your weakness yeah. or your brokenness. And what happens? It, it turns out to violence. Yeah. Because we're not. We can't hold it. The only one who can hold our hearts is Jesus. And Amen. we have to preach that. If you're not if you're not willing to preach Jesus in the midst of all this stuff that tends or seems to be it just seems to be superior to the to Christ, then you can't do it. You have to preach Christ regardless and take the hits. Yeah, yeah, that was great. Uh, a couple things I'd add add in there. I mean, just just because you're getting my my wheels turning in my head yes. is really just um, on top of the the fear and the pain of all those things mm-hmm. um, that causes you to not trust anybody, right? Which, yes. which then causes you to go internal. Yes. So you stuff it down, right? And, and it's part of just protecting yourself. But what happens, and we just talked about this at youth group this past week. We, we went through, you know, John 11 um, with Lazarus and the resurrection mm-hmm. there. And, and we talked about the realness of Martha and Mary, um, particularly Martha in the beginning, where she said she shares her expression of her anger with Jesus. Yeah. If you were here, this wouldn't have happened, right? Right. Like, my brother would not have died. But still yeah. now I believe that, you know, that you mm-hmm. are the Lord and you're mm-hmm. the teacher. And, 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 and as we talk about the gospel and we talk about Two things come to mind. One is it it's a place where we tell kids they can be real with their feelings, yeah. vulnerable, yes, and that they can open themselves up even if it feels unsafe to get hurt. Yeah. Because Jesus has got them. Yes. Right? Like their identities yes. are wrapped in them. He's got them. He has the power to heal them. But also what we want to do is is not just have like a, a one-on-one individual relationship. We need to create a fellowship. Which is why youth group as mm-hmm. a whole, as a community, mm-hmm. is important because what it does is it, it we're creating a Christian community where kids feel safe. Yes. And kids can process these things in a safe place where they feel like they can open up, they can share, um, they can get to know their leaders, uh, they can get to know their youth pastor. Um, speaking of violence, my son is just beating my dog right now. Um, be gentle, all right. But so we got fear, right? Yes. We got we got scared. We we it really comes out of a, a root unbelief that God is going to protect or get their back, right? Which then leads to a trickle effect of us all wanting to then 
to, to kind of get our own back, be our own God, be our mm-hmm. own protector, be our own refuge. Yes. And, and as we look through the scriptures, Jesus is all those things. God is all those things. Um, but then he also creates a covenant family, a community family for us to go fellowship with. So uh, I would just say in that, um, really what you're trying to do is to help with the violent issues as a youth minister and creating a youth group atmosphere mm-hmm. is two things. One, you're attacking the fears, the lack of vulnerability, the I got this, I can make it on myself. I mean, if you go talk to kids from the inner city a lot, one of the main things that you'll hear is, oh, I'm not scared. I'm not I'm not scared. Yes. Right? Yes. Like, I'm never scared of anything. Right. I've never met people that are more fearful in all my life than kids from the inner city. And, and what what I mean by that is I've so first of all, I spent most of my youth group years here. So I have a bias of working with kids in the inner city. But I came into it thinking rough, tough, never scare anybody. But the rough toughness, don't mistake in that. That's that is a that is a fear thing, right? If when people get scared, they either run right. or they fight. Right. And and survival in the inner city a lot of times is fighting versus running. Right. And so if you can identify that and you can speak the gospel in a way that shows uh, freedom of the fears, mm-hmm. you can identify those fears. You start to help people conquer those things. Um, it's a long process, though. It's getting it to know is. people. It's a long process. It starts seeing their idols. It starts seeing. It's just like ministry anywhere else. You start to see their, their what makes them fear. You know, like I guess t- Tim Keller says, like what's what's your greatest nightmares and what do you daydream about? Like those are the things that are your idols. Those are the things that are controlling you. And so, what we're identifying is more than people's hopes and dreams that we're looking at with violence. It's that can be it. Somebody taking your hopes and dreams. Mm-hmm. You want to fight for them, but most of the time it's. It's a process of fearing uh, what your greatest nightmare is, and you're going to fight against that. Right. Um, somebody stealing your new bike, someone taking advantage of you, somebody, you punk- yes. somebody punking you in front of yep. everybody, yep. all those things. Uh, yeah. So we've talked about anger, mm-hmm. fear. Mm-hmm. The one other kind of major driver, uh, it's not so much a driver of violence as a, as a response to it, but that I want I want to hear from you guys about is grief. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so, so, so anger and fear, That's you know, a big one. but then also grief, you know, how many kids in your youth group have lost somebody in their family or a close friend to violence? Well, it's pretty much everybody. Pretty much everyone. Um, I mean, we, we were just talking the other day, you know, about, uh, about the, the kid who, um, uh, whose father was shot, you know, up here, how many years ago now? Uh, that would be six years and ago. Just starting to open up about it, even but just barely, but just a little bit. Just barely, just acknowledging that it yeah. happened. So we, we had a, we had a kid. Um, he's been a faithful member for six years. Um, my wife and I have him and his brother over. We had his older brother live with with live with us for a period of time um, because of certain situations. Um, so we're very close to this family. But the middle the middle son, the middle brother, uh, his father was killed at the local basketball court up the street, which is kind of the central focal point of the neighborhood. You know, I think the majority of people probably know who who did it, but no one talks about it. Mm-hmm. And then the reality that, like, there's just this injustice that happened. There's no consequence for the person who did this. And the fact that, right. that yes. the fact that you still play basketball at the very court that your dad died and you yes. can't talk about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you don't your mom, you know, talks to me about trying to get him to speak about it. And it's just a it's just a hard thing to process it. It, and there's this thing of like not knowing what to do with your emotions. God made us all emotional beings, mm-hmm. right? 
and just not knowing what to do with those, it's like almost it doesn't serve to benefit to let them out for a lot of our kids. It just right. it creates weakness, and weakness is something see, they don't see the point. Yeah, and no. we, weakness is something you can't afford. It's not surviving. It's not surviving. Weak. You're weak. you're getting vulnerable. It's kind of like Walking Dead. You yes. just like you you just got to keep moving forward. You can't think about it. That's you know? my show. Yes, that's, that's, that's my show too. Does everything relate to the Walking Dead? Everything kind of comes but, back. But to that, that but that is true. You. It's this sense of somebody died. Well, like you said, The Walking Dead, you have to keep going because if you stay behind in it, you will die. You, you get weak in your mind and, and you, you get weak, yeah. you, it'll kill you. That, that's true in a lot of ways in the inner city. Like if yeah. you start getting weak, people are going to try to take advantage of you. People yes. are going to try to push you over. And I think that that's a good lead in you know, with – do we teach kids to be punching bags? Do we mm-hmm. tell them that they have to turn the other cheek mm-hmm. and like they can't ever fight back? They can't take care of themselves. I mean, I, one of the big struggles I had early on in the first two or three years was just figuring out how do I coach kids uh, that are being bullied, that are being taken advantage of, that are good kids trying not to look for violence. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that's the that's the hard part. That's where a lot of the coaching is going to come in. Is not the kids who are who are always looking for violence and right. just really angry. But the kids are actually are trying to avoid it but can't. Right. How do you coach them through that to where they uh, feel like they can trust that you're you're understanding the reality of their life, but at the same time uh, you're holding them to the integrity of, of what you believe God wants for their life. So, so I'm so going to throw that out. Well, for, for an example, <laughs> first, for an example of yeah. somebody who maybe missed the first part of not getting the reality of their life, uh, do you want to tell the story of the the pacifist? Sure. So I, I, I when I was part time uh, at the church that I'm at here in Baltimore, I was also part time up at the local school in the neighborhood, working with kids, uh, with boys in particular, middle school boys with uh, that were at risk. So we did we taught anger anger management, we taught conflict resolution, we taught job. Uh, uh, you know, how to apply for job, resume job, all these kind of life skill things on top of doing homework and some Bible study uh, for a program called Acts for Youth, which is a really great local neighborhood uh, ministry. Um, and while I was up there, one of the people they hired was a Mennonite. You know, it was an Anabaptist, pacifist guy, mm-hmm. which means he, he basically didn't believe in any violence ever. Right. And watching him try to tell kids who didn't grasp the gospel yet didn't weren't really walking with Jesus just just needed love just needed our program for the help and and really just coming to 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 lead in with nonviolence ever was just like hey I'm from right. I'm from Mars and I'm speaking something yes. completely different yes. right like uh, it it was just it, it didn't cool. re- and and it was kind of funny to watch it a little bit but at the same time it was sad because this person came in with kind of an uh, an ideology that said like people People can can do this, and it just showed that like um, it's a heart condition. Mm-hmm. And if we if we can't reach people's hearts, uh, I'm not a pacifist by any means, but if we can't reach people's hearts. We can't help them understand uh, the offense of violence, right? Both yes. both both to God and to their neighbor, and also uh, also how to like what what is proper defense of yourself look mm-hmm. like, right? Mm-hmm. Because one of the conversations was like, well, you know, can I? If this person does this to me, can I do this, this, and this to them? I said, I would. So, so, so to answer my own question earlier, like, how do you coach them through that? I would coach that, like, you can restrain someone from hurting you. You can, you can duke it out to the point where you 
have stopped someone from trying to hurt you or someone else. Mm -hmm. But when you take it extra, when it becomes revenge in your heart and in your actions, that's when you cross the line. And that's where I would coach is that where do you see this being like, I got you back, don't ever do that again, versus I stopped you from doing something evil against Mm -hmm. me and evil against someone else. That's very different. I'm going to go get my son real quick. But uh, uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, how, how, how would you coach well, a, a I, I faithful think, Christian kid who's getting bullied? Well, I think one thing is, <clears throat> one, one thing that seems to draw people into the Nation of Islam is that there seems to be a group of men who lift up men. Even though it's, a lot of it is smoke and mirrors, um, it, there is some truth to the fact of uh, of men lifting up men. Like, I teach my young community leaders that being a man is not about being about yourself, but is about lifting up other people and thinking about other people. I think one thing I try to do is, as young men, you have to lift up each other into a place to where you you, you can buffer your your frustrations and uh, 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 off of another guy. You, it's something when you have five guys coming to tell you, "Hey, man, you don't have to do this. You don't have to be this way," or uh, and, and in that, nobody's going to bully you. If you have other men who are not standing up with you like as a gang, but saying, hey, we love you. We're strong together because, you know, the Bible tells us to bear one another's burdens. Because if, if a, somebody who is bullying somebody else, if they see a bunch of other guys bearing that young man or that person's burdens, they're not going to mess with them. They, they, they're they just not. An, another way of bullying is allowing somebody else to fight just so you can enjoy the entertainment of it. Oh yeah. I, 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 I had a, um, a youth group. I mean, a youth group, excuse me. I have a video game club where kids just come play video games. It's just a touch. And, um, they just, um, and then it's coming and hang out, play games. That's, that's, that's the purpose of it. And so what happened at the video game club was there were a couple of guys who were going to fight and, Instead of their friends coming to their aid and saying, hey, you don't need to do this. They got their phones out and started filming. (laughs) Luckily, you know, the fight didn't happen. But the point was that these guys, I mean, these guys and girls, like it seems like bullying can happen to one person. But if they're supported and loved by their own friends, the bullying won't happen because they say, hey, these guys have a good clique. They're a big group of guys or right. whatever. We're, and I'm not talking about, like I said, like a gang. Like, yeah, nobody messing. No, I'm saying these guys are carrying each other's burden. They're loving each other. So what I try to do is I try to teach or coach uh, the young men to love each other and and carry each other's burdens in which if somebody's like, man, this dude is bullying me. Let's go fight. No, man, there's another way to do this. There's another way. I can help you. I can show you. Yeah. Or even that person who's bullying is going to say, well, these guys are really tight. They're, they're for each other. I'm not going to mess with these guys. I'm, I'm not going to mess with him. And I think that I think that helps. I think that helps a lot. But um, but yeah, I mm. hope that helps. But. Yeah. Any kind of summarizing thoughts, either something something you wanted to spit out that you haven't yet or, uh, what was it? you know, um, the the one thing. You wish you had known about violence when you started. Mm. Yeah, that's a good question. I think. I think oh, yeah. Go ahead. I, I just want to say. I think one thing I would tell a youth leader 
when it comes to two youth who are fighting or upset, do not underestimate how far a person will go when it comes to violence. Hmm. We can't underestimate it because we don't know how much that person has taken in. Yeah. And what I try to do is I tell my kids, if you want to fight, if you want to show, like, like, like Blake was saying, we were saying the honor code, if you want to do that, go ahead. But everybody knows when it comes to it, everybody, it's universal to know that in a street fight, anything can happen. You can have knives, you can have guns, whatever. And, and what we try to say is, if you feel like you have to fight because, you know, you want to be violent, you don't ever underestimate the next person because they might not have anything to lose. Yeah. And they will pull out a knife, a gun, a weapon, and they will hurt you Yeah. to a place to where you are an invalid or something or you have broken bones and you're in your hospital bed thinking, if I only just walked away or if I only just did this, if... If I didn't, it, it, it's 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 not an answer. It it it's not the answer because you might end up dead. Like we mentioned, the guy who shot his father at the church for for the rest of his life, he's going to be told when to use the bathroom, when he can sleep, where he can walk, what can he cannot do, how he can sleep. That would be the rest of his life, all because he felt like. I need to exert this anger and frustration. And I guess the reason I'm saying is that it will only lead to more violence, more destruction. You might blow off steam, but that steam will come, it's like, it's like a cycle, it'll come right back on you because it doesn't go anywhere. And as youth leaders, we have to know that. Right. We have to know that the violence is not going to end. And if you're not willing to preach the gospel, then you can't do this. Mm -hmm. You have to know that the violence is not going to end with, if I just get this kid a good job, if I just get him this, if I just do this, That's true. we can't have the answer say, if I just, you might minister to a kid for t 10 years, leave, and they still won't get it right. and die by violence. Yeah, th that's a really good point. Like Sometimes you can identify their anger when you talk to them in relationship with, I don't have this and I don't have that and my, this isn't going well in my life and that's not going well in my life. And and you start to think, well, if I can just help fix these things, mm -hmm. that'll go away. Mm -hmm. it, it, it really is a heart condition. It's a it's a where I put my trust, right? Because the fear is coming out, the anger is coming out, that this isn't my way. Either something's being attacked and you're responding with an act of injustice towards mm -hmm. that and you're angry or a, an act of fear that this might really be taken from you or done to you. Uh and, and I guess, so So my wisdom would be this. I wish that I had, um, someone had coached me in holding the balance of holding kids, holding kids accountable mm -hmm. to their violence, mm -hmm. right? So, so staying in the scriptures, understanding the offense to God, understanding the offense to your neighbor. And also I wish, but I also wish that, uh, like I had mm -hmm. eyes to see the, the bigger problem because I think sometimes coming from somewhere where you're not surrounded by so much fighting and a whole lot of violence like you can get so shocked by it as an outsider mm -hmm. that you lose sight of what the real issue is going right. on right right the real issue is people who are really broken and hurt and angry and not dealing with it in healthy ways but also not dealing with it in biblical gospel ways, yes right yes. those those are the real healthy ways um and what, what I mean by that is really just trying to keep gospel eyes. Yeah. Right? I wish I had gospel eyes to yeah. say that I could see, uh, I, I could identify this is what's really going on. So I could have really tried to use 
my relationship to 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 anchor into that, like, hey, I think these are the real issues and try to point those out versus staying always on the surface. Mm -hmm. I think there's so many surface situations when it comes to violence and cussing someone out and saying certain things and and acting certain ways that, like, you you try to address all those. You'll be playing whack-a-mole forever. Yeah, it's addressing, like, the moral issues versus just... But but because it's so overwhelming in some of these situations... Mm -hmm. uh, and, 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 and it can make you as the youth pastor sin and get fearful. Yes. Right? And so yes. then you just start addressing things from a fear standpoint versus like, I love you and this is what I really see. Yes. I wish I could have learned that skill and honed that in a lot earlier than I did. Uh, so, so if I were going to help a, or, or coach a youth pastor who's doing this now, I would say uh, start always in those situations looking for opportunities to see the root cause of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and not allow yourself to get fearful. Trust that the Lord's using those things actually as gospel primers mm-hmm. and discipleship time. Because th- that's the context you're in, right? Yes. It's not going to change. And if you want it to change, may- maybe you're not called to this, and that's okay. But what I'm trying to say is, like, the, like Joel said, the violence isn't going to stop. The question is, uh, when we see it, when it occurs, when it comes into our fellowship, how do we use it to be a primer for discipleship and primer to get to the root mm-hmm. cause, right? And how do we well, how do we cultivate a fellowship at youth group, whether it's a small one or a big one or whatever, where, where, where we're asking the vulnerable, hard questions right. and getting to the place where we can be honest. Uh, so it takes work, it takes prayer, and uh, not getting desensitized and so used mm-hmm. to it and not getting fe- yes. not getting fearful yeah. of it and using those those opportunities to, to really be – God moments versus like, oh man, this sucks. Youth group didn't go well tonight. Um. <laughs> and, 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 and I want to say one other thing: you, you, a lot of youth are going to come with many things because they're t- still teenagers. They're going to come with many things. Well, this ain't fair. This ain't right. This is this. And the hardest thing to do as adults is to listen because it might be true. Some of the things they say might be teenage nonsense at time because teenagers think they know everything. But on top of it, you have to get below the surface and say, some things they're saying might be true. Maybe there is an injustice. Maybe this is happening in my house. Maybe this is happening in my neighborhood. And you have to still address it. But after you listen and address it, give the gospel. But if we go and say, nah, that ain't nothing, but nah, you you just, uh, no, you don't know what you're talking about. You're just being young. And sometimes they are just being young. But guess what? You still have to be able to listen because it might be something that's in their lives that are hurting. And all they're going to remember is this person, this youth leader, this youth pastor, this man or woman did not listen to me. They said what I was saying was a bunch of garbage and I'm really hurting inside. And what I'm really trying to tell them is I'm scared. So when you get to that place, that relationship and you're listening, you have to be able to be quiet you have to be able to be quiet and listen. And then when you can talk, then you can say what you need to say. But first, listen, because there could be something. Yeah. Like Blake said earlier, it's systemic. And we might say, man, that's just a bunch of baloney, blah, blah, blah. Those neighbors, they don't know, but it's real. It's it, real. It's it there. And, and it's, it's, there's real injustice that I see every day. Yeah. You know, it's back to back to John eleven with the the story of Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. The thing that's really interesting in there is that Jesus knows in the beginning he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. Yes, but he he still 
takes the time to be human and yep. feel it, right? Mm-hmm. He doesn't just rush through those things. He doesn't yes. just go quickly and just let's get to the truth. Let's just get to the gospel. Let's mm-hmm. just, I'm the resurrection and the life. You should know this. Um, he, 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 he enters into the pain of people. Yep. And if you, yes. avo- if you avoid that, yes. Joel's absolutely right. You will cut off like relationships and people will stop coming to you because yeah, they will, because they, they try to be honest with you. This is what's going on in my life and I'm angry about it. Uh, and you, you dismissed it quickly. And- or, or you had your theological autocorrect. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah you yeah. can't come with that little <laughs> theological grid thing. Oh, that's a good one. Yes. And, and and when that happens, you well, you've sinned against them. You stop loving them. Yes. And you're called to love first. Um, and we want to pastor people well. So again, holding that balance of this is the reality, this is the truth, this is the life that you're living, and what does it look like for you to to trust Jesus here? Uh, and how can I help walk with you in that? Right. That's a hard thing to do. That's not easy. Um, but again, prayer. Uh, listening and, and again having having guys like when I met with Joel a couple of times throughout this year it's just like it's just so refreshing to be with someone who knows mm-hmm. what you're going through you need to find the other local youth pastors yeah to, important. to, to get together you can't do this alone no um, your pastors are not going to be enough because they're not really in the trenches with you in this you need to find someone else who's doing like in the trenches kind of ministry with you uh, not maybe not in your neighborhood but but somewhere else where you're like right. yes. Yes, that's exactly what I'm going through. Okay, I should have done this. I shouldn't have done that. Right. Uh, so those are those are resources I'd look for immediately um, and pray for if they're not there. Right. Well, speaking of prayer, and brothers, this has been awesome mm-hmm. uh, and so much more to talk about. But that's why we're doing a podcast and not a single episode. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but before we close out, Joel, would you, would you mind just? praying for us. Let's pray together for a minute about this topic, about violence. Yeah, sure. Um, our youth. And then also, let's, let's pray for the brothers and sisters who are listening to this, you know, in whatever their ministry context is. Uh, Lord, we just, we, we want to thank you, Lord, that you have given us the voice to uh, speak to others and speak to those who want to glorify your name, Lord. And mm-hmm. we, Lord, we lift up uh, Baltimore, Lord, and mm-hmm. you know, where we are, Lord, and that it's, it, it's, it can get violent. It can get crazy, Lord, and uh, we don't want to ignore that. That it, that it can get pretty crazy out here, Lord. But we want to thank you, Lord, that even in the middle of your violence, that you still give us hope through your Son Jesus, Lord. That we still can continue to walk in the middle of all of this and still say Jesus is the answer, Lord. Yes, Lord. Um, we actually that we will continue to do that, Lord, and that sometimes, Lord, we will get afraid and fearful mm. and we will back out we will we might not mention your name we we might run and hide but lord we know that you're still faithful through it all lord and we want to thank you for that lord and we just want to um uplift those who are listening to this lord who might be struggling lord their mm-hmm. first year their first day with dealing with kids and kids are making fun of them then they don't you know you know kids uh, get to know them they're struggling to be themselves even as they try to build a relationship. But we, Lord, we ask, Lord, that you would give them the strength and the hope, Lord, to keep on going, Lord, that you would give them you, Lord, and that you would also even humble them, Lord, that they will uh, know you and know what is best for uh, your people, Lord. Mm-hmm. In the name of Lord, we pray. Amen. 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 Well, thank you, brothers. Hey, uh, if you find this podcast helpful, interesting, or just plain ignorant, uh, there are... <laughs> There are up to four things you can do. Uh, You can subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Uh, You can review the podcast on iTunes, which helps more people discover it. More to the point, uh, 
you could tell one other person who you think might get something out of this. Tell them. And the fourth and kindest thing you could do is actually donate a couple bucks to help us cover the cost of hosting this podcast. We're all three in ministry jobs, uh, two of us in a seminary, and we're dead broke. Uh, hosting, <laughs> hosting costs us 13 bucks a month, so even 5 bucks would help tremendously. And, and if we somehow managed to raise more money than our monthly hosting costs, uh, we would use that to make the show even more accessible, uh, like with complete transcripts and summaries for those of you who would rather read. Yes. Uh, so there's a super simple donation form on our site. Just follow the fine little donate button. Um, you can also discuss this episode on our Facebook page, just facebook.com slash urbanyouthpastor, or by commenting directly on our website. Uh, you can find this episode at urbanyouthpastor.com slash one. That'll also have links to any books or other resources mentioned throughout the episode. And last but not least, uh, got questions about urban youth ministry? Uh, I know nothing, and Joel and Blake don't know much, but they have plowed a lot of ground with their chins. So... <laughs> That's right. That's you can, you can, yes. an old farm boy saying. Dirty chance. You can email us your questions by sending an email to hey, H-E-Y, at urbanyouthpastor.com. I'm Vic King. Joel Brown. Blake Scheidt. Peace. Out. Peace.